0: Let's link up with Krista on The Fix. She's a wellness coach with a focus on mental well-being and physical strength.
1: up, everybody. Welcome to episode 18 of The Fix. We are keeping on with the entrepreneurial theme for the second week in a row. Last week, we caught up with Mo Wadwani, the founder of Jersey-based fitness apparel company, Athleta Freak, alongside of his wife and his two amazing kids. And this week, we are kicking it over to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I had the opportunity a few months ago, actually, to sit down with Joe Tibaldi. Joe is the founder of a really interesting company called Flex, and he specializes in website design and CRM. For those of you out there who are like, what the heck does CRM stand for? It's a customer relationship management software. So tools that generate things like lead generation, communication with current poten- current and potential customers and that sort of thing. And He's also in the process of really developing a fascinating product that I'm very excited about and see a huge future for with my fitness fix and fix brands. And we'll let him dive a little bit deeper into that as we get through this conversation. And that's called Studio. So if you're somebody out there who is a fitness professional and you listen to this today, I would encourage you to listen all the way through because as Joe and I joked with each other throughout the episode, we sat down with the intention to talk specifically about his product, but I really think he's the type of guy that has such a fascinating perspective based on the job experiences he's had, the life experiences he's had. Just how he identifies as a um, former athlete, how he identifies within the fitness space, the way he is as a thinker, and then applies that to how he looks at life. And one of the biggest themes that comes out of this conversation, my key takeaway at least, is this idea of friction. And Joe does a really good job of getting into it and talking about how friction is something that we experience in our lives, and of course, it makes us uncomfortable. And it's super easy to feel very uncomfortable in the moment and then only to move on from it six months later, two months later, two days later, however long, and be like, hey, I grew from that situation. And I think that is a really good opportunity to just kind of give you something to think about today as you're listening to this, going throughout your day, maybe wrapping up your day and just reflecting on when's the last time you felt uncomfortable about something? Did you try to run away from it? Did you try to lean into it? And how long did it take you to really accept it for what it was and rather than fight it, see what you might be able to learn from that opportunity. With that, I'm going to move in a totally different direction and let Joe take the floor and talk about Studio, which is his really exciting product that will essentially become, in my opinion, and I'm excited to see this happen, A platform for fitness professionals to really have one place to grow their brand without having to piece together their Instagram following, their Facebook interactions and experiences, podcasting, what have you maybe even business development opportunities and the like, and really kind of create one place and one ecosystem, I think was the word I used when we first recorded the podcast, to interact with current clients, potential clients, and really grow an online fitness community. So Joe, I am calling you out right here because at the end of the episode, I challenged you to tell me where you think you're going to be in the next 12 months. So by the end of 2021. And we recorded this on December 31st of 2020. So it was New Year's Eve, the last day of the year, of the year that a lot of us probably wanted to forget as we joked. And we also tongue in cheek mentioned, oh, it's New Year's Eve and here we are recording this, no days off. And and that that's kind of rolled us into the entrepreneurial conversation and the spirit behind that. But I asked Joe where he pictured Studio moving to over the course of this calendar year, and we're almost five months in. So Joe, if you're listening, this is a little gut check for you and a little opportunity for you to take an audit. And I know you're the kind of guy who probably does this often to see where you're moving in the direction of building out this platform. And I think it's really interesting for anybody out there as an entrepreneur themselves If you're eager or you feel like something's taking too long, or you feel like you should have been at a different point by now, Joe's perspective is an amazing reminder that there's a learning opportunity at every stage. And if you truly want something and you want to go after it and you want to go get it, it's important to work hard, but there's also a time to sit back and be patient and really learn everything you can and soak up as much knowledge as possible from any given situation people who provide you feedback just being in that mindset of like I'm here to collect as much data as possible. So with that let's kick it over to Joe and get right into episode 18.
0: So for my background is I started as a baseball player for the longest portion of my life so I've been working out and I had a personal trainer when I was 14. So I've always been in the fitness world, not necessarily always delivering it, um, but always doing it. So that was always my background and always my scope. My perspective of life was that everybody was doing this and I yeah. was just one of them. <laughs> so um, I always wanted to be in development because my older brother was in development. Cool. And he had okay. sold a company nice. when he was young and had retired and it was like okay. very- So is
1: there a big age gap between not you About 10 years. Oh wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. So
0: I kind of grew up as an only child, but watching him and my sister, like almost act as adults mm-hmm. that I knew, yeah. <laughs> right? So. <laughs> Um, He kind of blazed the path for like, ooh, I really like this idea of development. He actually got me hooked on um, one afternoon. He had his computer up and he had a little... Um, screen a window that says, Does Joey smell on it? And I was young. I was like, <laughs> They was just calling me Joey. So I was probably like 10 or 11. And this thing pops up on the screen it says, Does Joey smell? And if you go to click yes, it chases it around the screen and you can never click it. <laughs> so um, that kind of got me addicted what, to you like, like, like seven? Ooh, it's creative, right? I'm like, yeah. Oh wow, he was able to think something and then create something that somebody cool. interacted with. So I always got obsessed with that. So I originally went to school for development. Mm-hmm. Had to drop it because of baseball, because base- they required me to be in a lab for certain times, and I couldn't make it because mm-hmm. of baseball, so I had to choose. Baseball was paying for school, so yeah. I made the, the choice I had to. and But I always had to stay in touch with computer science in some okay. way. okay And bounced around schools a little bit, graduated, ended up kind of finding myself back in development after school because I just missed it so much. And I was working at a bar and Walgreens at the time, and my bar owner was installing a bunch of craft beer lines and had trouble keeping up with the menus. And that's when I injected myself back into app development. I was like, I think I can create a piece of software to help you. And created a piece of software in Visual Basic with an access database. wasn't online, it was just running on his computer and he used it for four years.
1: That's so cool. And
0: it was then that I was like, I feel like I got a knack for like figuring out what people's problems are and mm-hmm. solving them with software. Very cool. Um, yeah, and then you kind of mentioned my path since there. So yeah. I started as uh, um, in software for special education. And then I jumped over to a little bit more fitness. And really, that was like a media sport development. Okay. Um, and now I am started my own company a few years ago to kind of do... Kind of all different things in fitness, but focused mainly right now on digital.
1: Yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. And as you know, my famous second question is, what is your go-to coffee order? I feel like I need to be a
0: little cliche. Like caramel brulee lattes are kind of my thing. And it's really the only treat that I have that has like a lot of sugar in it. Okay. Um, Other than that, I'm a red-eye guy. Nice. So I like black coffee. I like to just be minimal as possible. Because I don't like the idea of going somewhere and not being able to find something you like. Yes. And you get addicted okay. to like a creamer okay. yeah. or something like that, like you have to have it that's with every so coffee true. and now you can't. Have you,
1: you can. seen the new Chobani creamer? I have not. Oh my God, it's amazing. Don't
0: change my life right now. Okay. I just I, need black I literally
1: might change your life, but here's the thing. It could be cursed because that's the coffee that spilled all over my computer. So. Oh yeah,
0: keep that out of I was telling
1: here. a friend that I spilled it and he was like, oh my God, is that the creamer that you put on your Instagram story and then it spilled? And he was like, that's so sad that you lost the creamer. I'm like, dude, we have bigger problems here. <laughs> <laughs> like my $3,000 <laughs> laptop and all of my podcasts associated with it. Like, yes, I was sad, but it's this cookies and cream. Oh,
0: it's so good see it's unfair though because yeah. like I, and I, I do think that at some level if you start enjoying coffee too much it becomes the drug that it is mm-hmm. and that's so definitely like I me. almost want to not like it yeah. for, like, like no one chased coffee the first time and goes oh my god right. I've been missing this my whole life <laughs> just like their first beer everyone yeah. it and like <laughs> well I gotta like this shit or else no yeah. one's gonna you know <laughs> no one wants me. to hang, hang out, out with me. no way to get a quick meeting or yeah. anything yeah, like
1: that so. that's so funny take us back to when you were working at Ascent right is, is that Accent. what's called Ascent yeah. yeah which is in the special education space and tell I think us they were acquired a few years okay. ago
0: by, uh- they're a bit like oh frontline frontline okay. education. They're okay. a huge education okay. conglomerate. Okay. I think they got bought. Yeah.
1: So ago. tell us a little bit about that because I think you actually it's kind of a cool story even on a personal level because you had like a little bit of friction as like who you were and how you look and, oh, I, yeah. and that could be a kind of cool tie in to explain to us what you did there how you found that role and then kind of like what you experienced and moving from more of like a true developer role into a really sales position at the end of the day.
0: Sure. Yeah. So um I think it, the the context that I'll give is that in my family, so I'm one of three, and I always say if there's three sides to a spectrum, we're on it, because <laughs> my brother is, like, this unbelievably intelligent, like, kind of, uh, like, taught himself to speak Spanish by reading a book kind of a thing, and my sister's unbelievably artistic, so, like, she can pick up a clarinet and play a song on the radio, and I was always trying to find what my thing was, and it was obviously based, like, sports and athleticism, but, like, in my head, that wasn't, You know, it's like not the same. It wasn't
1: enough because it wasn't like intellectual And it was because of something that my brother was. But baseball takes a lot of smarts.
0: Especially I was a catcher. So like I had the whole game in front of me. I was kind of commanding the pitcher. So I did try to find the most like cerebral position, I guess. (laughs) But I think my brother, and he always said it best. He's like, you, I would have hated you in high school.
1: And I think that that's
0: a fair representation of kind of what you were getting at, which Mm -hmm. is. I would have been, I look a certain way, I perform a certain way on the field, and therefore I couldn't be good academically. Sure. So um, I think I definitely saw some friction in the development community because I I get I don't look like them or I don't act like that. I don't do the things that they do for fun, Mm -hmm. and I do feel like I felt some resistance there, and you bring it up in an interesting way because I had mentioned to you that I was kind of going through an identity crisis. Yeah. I just finished college where it was like I was the captain of the baseball team I was a starter. I was getting straight A's. I mean, I kind of had life kind of figured out. It felt like when you're in college and you're like, that's it. I was Stifler, really. It was fifth year. (laughs) Of course you figured out by now. Um, And then it just stopped. And I remember this feeling of being like, okay, like now the world's my oyster, right? Because now I can just, now I can go out into the world and do whatever. And within two months, I was a Walgreens assistant manager part-time at a bar in the middle of nowhere, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I'm like what happened? I, I just miss, I missed something there. At some point I right. I was just super cool and had all the things going. And then it was just like, Oh, nothing material. There was just nothing from yeah. it. And I think that's like a really important lesson to learn. I think I also had a different take on it because I was so far away from my family at the time. Sure. I was 800 miles away mm-hmm. from my closest family member. Okay. So I was doing this all on my own. And I think that that struggle and you bring up friction, you know, like to kind of reference it. It's like, I feel like people are really adverse to friction. Like, it's like, ooh, friction, no, 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 no. And sometimes, it, like, sometimes you gotta wade through the swamps to get to the clearer oh, waters. Yeah. Like, I feel like there is this, this, this natural adherence to stay away from it, this natural thing to say, like, oh, 2020 sucked. And it's like, did it or did you grow? And are you upset about it? Because you're sitting there yeah. and you can only reflect in 2021 and say, I grew. Right. But when you're going through it, it doesn't feel, it good. Doesn't feel good. You're just mm-hmm. trying to get rid of that feeling. And it's like, we all know growing pains. These exist outside of just yeah. our spirit. So of it's course. like, so I think that when I first graduated, I was going through a lot of like trying to figure out who I was going to be now Okay, under the context of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was in the context of a school. Okay. Yeah. And
1: that was your world what? and now right. your world changed.
0: So, sure. so who, who am I going to be now? And. I was working at a bar that was like a pizza bar, but it was like a craft pizza, mm-hmm. and then became craft beer. Now this was like the beginning of craft
1: beer. Okay, so it was before it was a thing. Like this is before they Charlotte had like, people who like know Sycamore and all that jazz. Right.
0: This was before yeah. they even had it in restaurants. Like, oh wow! You would still okay. go to Chili's and just get Budweiser, okay. Miller, and them. Like there was no craft anything. And this that's guy's like a good
1: time reference because that's like exploded in what the last six, seven years. I had a,
0: I had a conversation the other day talking about how they used to ask you smoking, non-smoking when I would walk into a restaurant and like, that's not even, you can't even fathom that anymore. Yeah, we joke can't. about that. I
1: remember when it was a huge deal in New York when they got rid of smoking at the bar. It was like, I was in, I don't know, maybe high school or middle school, but I lived 20 minutes away Yeah, and people like freaked out about it. They were like, how could you do that in New York city? Like you have to be able to smoke inside.
0: Yeah, wow, that sounds and so I was weird. living in New York when it started to go down south, and mm-hmm. people would be like, oh, they, leave that stuff up for the northern, yeah. right? Like, we don't yeah. want that down here. We want to smoke. And I'm like, and then I moved down south, yeah. and people were smoking in bars, and I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. I this feel like I'm lot. regressing. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> That's funny. Um, but anyway, so I'm in this bar, and he's decided that he's going to expand um, to 24 different taps. Oh,
1: wow. Okay.
0: And um, I was learning, right? I, I wasn't really into beer at the time, but I was getting growing a taste for it because we had to test so mm-hmm. many. And this was so early that you weren't buying in bulk yet. Like the obvious craft beers to buy, like you know you need Budweiser. Right. You don't know what craft beers you need yet. Because mm-hmm. you have different populations of people sure. who only like certain things. Preferences. Yeah. So he would just always have like a variety. And so he would print out these menus to put on the table so that people could come and ask for them. Because obviously you have to prompt the like always say users, the prompt the customer yeah. to be like, Hey, what should you order? Because you've never ordered craft beer. And he would, once this K gets kicked, it's not like he could go to their menus and change it. Uh, and I know nowadays, like people are like, oh, well, why didn't they just send? Well, yeah, yeah, but this was not, this was before you went online for everything. Right. I think that's important. Okay. Like, it wasn't like I'm going to go there and look at their menu online. Yeah. It was like, I'm going to go to the restaurant and, and know if they're, they're open have. online, right. but then go see okay. what they
1: have. Okay.
0: So when he was explaining this to me, I'm like, so wait, you already know the beers that you have. It's just that They change so he goes, Yeah, it was like I'm not here when the bartender get you know, the keg gets kicked and then blah blah blah. blah. So I was like, I think I could solve this. Like I think this is something that I literally know how to solve because basically he needs records, like Mm -hmm. a database of all the different beers that he can have. And he has a layout for the menu that's very basic, which I can import into a template. Mm -hmm. And then all you need to do is just click the beers that you want and then click print. And it would just take those beers and put them on now again, I didn't actually know how to code this. It was just in my head, like, yeah, this makes sense. And I said it to him and he goes, you could do that. And this is where you have those moments. And this is where I think entrepreneurs get made. Somebody turns to you and says, you can do that. And you see it in their eye that they would pay for it. And you're like, yes. And you don't know if you could do it. <laughs> that's right? Actually, right? You,
1: That's you literally no how idea. I became a nutrition coach. Like, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't even certified. I just had my own personal transformation. Yep. And then somebody was like, well, like, you know, I was working at burn Boot Camp at the time we offered 15 minute focus meetings. That's not enough time to have an in-depth conversation about your diet And then someone was like, You think you like you could like could we like do this outside of here? And I was like, I guess. They were like, You look so good. You lost all this weight. I'm like, Yeah. And they were like, Could you help me? And I was like, Sure. Yes. And that was it.
0: And that's it. Because ultimately there and you can imagine that everybody would respond like you did, but they wouldn't. Right. There's actually a ton of people who would say, Oh, I don't like no, like which that's is not so for weird me. to me
1: because I don't think that way. You would
0: never because it was always my dad used to call me the kid on the white picket fence. He's like, <laughs> as long as you don't tell him that he can fall, he could stay on top of that fence all day. But the second you're like, "Hey, <laughs> you're doing something dangerous," it's like, "Well, just don't tell me about it." Um, that's funny. But so when um, he had told me about this problem, and I went back, basically, I learned VB. So I learned a, a programming language mm-hmm. in about a month. It was okay. December of that year, whatever year that was, yeah. probably 2012, maybe. Okay. And. Um, I built this app that like, and it wasn't online, right? It was like a local to the computer, but they could enter in the beers and then the bartender would be able to go over and click which beers were out and which beers were on and then click print. And then he'd be able to go to the back and would print the right amount of menus in the right Mm -hmm. style and he passed them out. And I remember the day that it was ready because I showed up to the bar, you know, two hours before work started in a full suit. It was 95 degrees in Columbia, South Carolina. I mean, just, but I had to look professional. This is what people do, that they sell things, right? They look a certain way and- And like now all those contracts are gone. Like the contracts of any of that, right? Like if an artist came in in a suit to sell you artwork, you'd actually look down on them because you're like, why don't you look like you just painted something, right? Right. Like you cognitively, you're like, wait, that Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense. So I tried to dress the part and I sold it for $150, $150 for something that took me, I guess, about a month to make. He ended up using the application for four years. And
1: And it was a
0: one-time fee. It was a one-time fee, right? (laughs) And I was so excited that I did that and and I remember because right after that I had to work an <laughs> overnight shift at Walgreens okay. Okay. and every like seven to eight weeks we had to work an overnight and that was 10 or eight days in a row, 10 hour shifts. Oh, whoa. Because what they do is they buddy up two weeks together. So they okay. give you off on either yeah. end okay. and then they put eight days of work straight and okay. you work from 10 p.m. to uh, I guess, yeah, like six or eight the next morning, whatever it is. And it was at the end of one of those shifts where I'm like, this is not act, like I knew I wasn't going to end up at Walgreens, yeah. but I think it's a good experience to get, get with customers, manage sure. people. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't look down on any of those types of careers, but I knew that wasn't what I ultimately wanted to right. do. And after working my last overnight shift, I was like, this is actually taking away from me. Like, I can't function. I, lo- I just lost two weeks, and that mm-hmm. just felt like so much to lose sure. for something that wasn't like crazy about. Right. And I quit that day. So the last day they came to me and they're like, hey, um, we're going to be restructuring a little bit. And the manager kind of knew me. And she was like looking at me like, I know you're about to quit, but I need to tell you this. And she was like, we're going to restructure your job to do this, this, and that. I'm like, wait a second. I'm sorry. So you're going to pay me less, give me more responsibility and no upside. I'm going to go like, thank you. She goes, I know, but good luck with everything. Right. Like (laughs) she was totally cool about it. And now I'm like, now I need to find this job. The reason I tell that part of the story is because I think this is where a lot of people also don't see the gaps that we do as entrepreneurs when we're not ready to start a company. At that point, I had solved the guy's problem and gotten paid for something that I did full end. Why not start a company? Because at least at that point to me, that wasn't what it was to start a company. I had made a sale and that felt really cool. Now I want to understand the structure of software sales. So now I was like, I need to go find a dev job. I I would love to keep coding because this is cool. Um, But I knew I didn't have an applied experience because I didn't have a college education in it. Right? I had a management and marketing degree, which obviously when you pair up with a baseball player, you're like, you didn't care about school, so again, like people see my resume and it's not that impressive. They weren't like drawn to it, um, but then I ended up lucking out, getting an interview with a tech company that didn't hire me, oh. but gave me a two-hour interview. And literally, the whole interview was me talking about what I had done for the bar and then doing it for them. So they took me through the paces of like, okay, um, you're going to do live coding, and immediately I was like, oh, I'm screwed <laughs> because this is not—I'm not a yeah. developer uh, at this point, and. He was like, okay, um, we're going to build software for you to help, to help you find a job. So you uh-huh. are going to gather the requirements from us, and then you're going to write pseudocode about how you would do it and then how it would be presented to them. I nailed wow. the part of the requirement gathering. Sure. It's literally what I had just done for the bar. Yeah. And that's when I think they identified what my strength was, which was taking something from a need mm-hmm. and turning it into a product. Sure. Um, so they didn't offer me a job. At that point, they actually ended up offering me a job before I took the one I did with the special education mm-hmm. company, but they linked me with the special education okay. company. Okay. So that's what got me out of the bar scene, out of the Walgreens, and then into like special education software. Very cool. So that was a cool job. I started somewhat developing, but a lot of it was client interactions. Sure. And I learned a lot. I learned about long sales cycles because these are school districts. So you're talking yeah. about nine to twelve month sales cycles. Right. I learned and about and are requests. they keeping
1: the product for like a couple of years?
0: Oh, and the, oh, the retention rate was a hundred percent because, sure. like, if you, if a school district made the choice to move to your software, it was the most painful process in for the world, and they would never through. want to yeah. do it again.
1: Yeah, very interesting.
0: So I learned a lot there. I learned a lot about client gathering, but I think what I really learned there was understanding. That the decision maker for the use of the software is not always the person using it. And the bigger the gap between those people, the harder the sale. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, the salespeople want the salespeople that are going to make decisions. Right. And they don't want to talk to the person right. like using it, the software. In your case,
1: it could have been like the principal was making the decision or like the head of the Board of Education. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But superintendents the heard. teachers were using the software.
0: and uh, and, uh, and also, let's just look at like the demographically speaking. Yeah. All of the superintendents we talked to were. Older white men. Right. And all of the women that we spoke with were mm-hmm. 60, 50 plus special education directors yeah. who wanted to use pencil and paper if it was up to them. Yeah. They didn't want to use the computer. <laughs> they were fine with the way things were. Right. And But this was compliance software. So okay. this is what got them their government funding based on the education programs they laid out. Got so it, it kind of held them to it. Right. Yeah. So, like, they had no see choice. Them. So you have an unbelievably resistant user base with a person who's almost impossible to get on the phone. (laughs) When you tackle sales like that, you feel like you could do anything. And I feel like, so that gave me a lot of confidence because I was the youngest person in that organization to have a leadership role Mm -hmm. by 15 years. Yeah. So I would walk into a room of special educators with a half arm sleeve of tattoos, a shaved head, and the build of an ex-college baseball player telling them about how they're going to educate their students. And they looked at me like, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. So I had to learn how to command a room who didn't respect me off the gate. Mm -hmm. Um, And it builds character. It's that uncomfortable friction. friction. I'm like, this is super uncomfortable, but I know I must be growing. I don't know if I was aware of it at the time, but it's so easy to look back on it now and be like, wow, this really prepared me.
1: That's really cool. And so then do you think that like, okay, so you had all those experiences, right? And did you have any interest in, I mean, look, like selling compliance software is probably not the most sexy thing. So where did the rubber hit the road for you in terms of making a decision to move in more of a fitness direction because you made it very clear to us that you know sports that was your niche that was your thing and while you certainly learned a ton like just aesthetically like and due to your interests like of course you wound up in more of like a media type with media with like a sports focus so was that the jump to grid like, yeah. where did that come from? Yes, for sure. Okay. And
0: I also think that it's because it was the first thing that presented an opportunity to work under the context that I wanted to, okay. which was small startup company. Okay. So, so it
1: wasn't even so much about the fitness. It was the it was the environment of being a startup.
0: It was Yeah, it was definitely the startup environment. Okay. And I think a huge component was the fact that I felt like I wasn't completely a fishy out of water. So like when you mm-hmm. sat me in front of a special educator, even though I knew that they would benefit from the use of the software... I didn't know the level of depth that they could, right? Like if I understood even then what I understood now about individual education and like the processes that they go to create these gifted and talented programs and all, like what a better person I would have been for the job, right? Like ultimately having that notion, having that understanding of why they're doing what they're doing and why these headaches are headaches Mm -hmm. helps you create better software. So I think when I found myself in the grid realm, which was right after I had started CrossFit, and it was like, I'm never going to be good at this. <laughs> this requires way too much aerobic capacity. <laughs> so Grid came out, was way more team oriented, which is my background. I love team right, sports. Right. Um, and it was do what you can that you're good at and get out. And I'm like, yeah, this is something I could like. So cool. I wanted to play. Okay. And that's what got me started in that realm. Got so it. then I ended up building a feeder league which is, this is the jump that my dad always makes fun of. He's like, most people would just go try to play. He's like, and instead you created a league for other teams to put together, right? Like, mm-hmm. I just took the biggest chunk I could. Um, and six months later, I had a job with them. Very so cool. that was like a cool transition to be That's like, awesome. oh, I got recognized. I did something on my own, got recognized, and now I got brought yeah. into the fold. So
1: it was literally just like, like tell us a little, I know about Grid, but like, tell us a little bit more about like, where you just wanted to participate with some of your friends when did you realize like oh i should help like them make a funnel
0: league it was almost oh, like sure.
1: you made like a click funnel yeah for <laughs> so
0: so what i did was i i used what i knew about baseball okay and i mean i uh, people love the story about how we started and like the very brief version yeah. is that we had no money there was no money in this this was a side right. gig we, okay. we never looked at this as like this is going to take over our main okay we just wanted to create yeah. this league together okay and me and my partner sat down, we were kind of like going through the different ways to get people interested. And they said that the problem you're going to face is that the good people, and you know what it's like when you're good in athletics, it's hard, like your egos are so, so rampant in the yes. fitness industry. Oh yeah. And not just with the people that are performing. No. Even with the people that are participating. helping, participating, yeah, yeah. coaching, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So um, we're like, okay, so how do we get people in? The thing that we had different than what Grid had going for it is that we, this is, I don't mean this to be offensive, but we weren't CrossFitters. Sure. He was the next football player, and I was the next baseball player. So yeah. we knew sports, mm-hmm. and then we saw this opportunity where it's like, why aren't we treating these people more like athletes? Like right. everyone it was all about money at the time. So okay. crossfit competitions were running rampant. But yeah. It was all about how much money can you make? Sure. And we're like, there's more to sports than how much money. You, like I played sports for twenty years without making a dime. So right. I know that there's more to it. And I was like, okay, right, let's brainstorm what what got us excited your name on the back of a jersey of course that gets you pumped I remember f- my first one eighth grade and I got it and it was like because I was part of this all-star team and I got to wear it for one weekend I felt like oh my god the man because they put final letters <laughs> on the top of my so that's what we did I would focus on trying to create them feeling like athletes that were should be looked up to okay. not just giving them money okay. because the truth is money goes away and admiration tends to last right so if I can give people that admire you to you I become way more valuable to you mm. than someone that could just give you money. Cause sure, what course. are you going to do with that? Right. So we went to CrossFit competitions and with a pen and paper, as if we were recruiting them, like we got recruited to go play in other. So he played oh, professionally and I played okay. in college. Okay. So we yeah. showed up with clipboards and stopwatches. Right, like you were scouts. Yeah. We were scouting yeah. and we sat in the bleachers and I mean, yeah, we were playing a little psych game, but like yeah. we'd sit in the bleachers together with the name of our company on the back and the website on the front. And we would write down notes about people And they were kind of real, but not really. We were just kind of writing so that people would see us writing and like, who the hell are these guys? Because we both looked like the role. Sure. Like we should have been participating, but we weren't, which was like kind of like, you know, juxtaposition there. And then we would go up to people after the end of um, competitions and be like, hey, you performed really well. We wanted to talk to you and not talk to anybody else. We would just talk to the person that won and then walk away. Mm. By the end of the first weekend of competitions that we went to, there was a line wrapped around the bleachers of people trying to talk to us. And they didn't even know what we were doing. They were just <laughs> intrigued because we were only talking to the best of the best. So there's a lot of psychological hacks that you can have. And they're not yeah. hacks, right? They're just social. Yeah. You're,
1: pl- yeah. you're playing like you- into people's like, you know, what, the what makes us tick. reward centers is what yeah. we're playing into, right.
0: right? So it's like, yeah, it didn't cost us any money. It cost us time. We went right. there. We had time. We didn't have money. So right. like, let's figure this out. And- I ended up getting over a thousand people to sign up.
1: No way. Yeah. For
0: our online stuff, which was more than the professional league had done. Okay. And then we held a competition where pro athletes that actually got to play professional also came down and played in the amateur one. Wow. For no money. Yeah. The prize. There was no money. Everybody got their shirts with names on the back. Every team. It was a, they paid us to play when they were complaining that the professionals weren't paying them to play. Right. It's like, But they were willing to pay because we created the more fun space to be. And I remember the conversations that I had because obviously the ego was there. And I would get this call from one of the pros. I'll never forget it. I'm not going to put him or her on blast. But they called and they were like, listen, man, like I'm so much better than these people. And I know you're immediately thinking it's a guy, but.
1: Um, okay. <laughs> it wasn't I, they were I like, actually have a feeling Who it is about, so they well, were like, I'm going to ask you After I'm recording Because <laughs> okay. I have so, an idea
0: So they were like Listen like I'm already so much better Than these people Like I don't want to play down And I'm like Let me ask you something Have you ever heard Of uh, Teen Tong And they're like No I'm like So it's this crazy sport In Asia I was like And they're obsessed With it over there And there's this girl Misha Who crushes Everybody she meets okay. And she's like Okay So what's the point point? And I'm like <laughs> That's you in grid right now. No one knows how good you are because no one even knows what the sport is. The only way that people will understand how much better you are is to go play right next to them. Because then they'll appreciate you for the skill when cuz everybody said, "Oh my god, Monday morning quarterbacking." Yeah. We also said, man, if you would have just faded right, oh yeah, you do it with the 600-pound guy running at right? right. Like we can't we can't put ourselves in that context. I'm like mm-hmm. if you have a bunch of people who got to see you live and beat them right next to them. They're going to watch you forever. Of course. That's how you build the fame of a, of a sport. Mm-hmm. And I knew psychologically, I'm like, I'm building what's going to become the elite of this sport. Sure. And right now, the elite was picking off the top of CrossFit. So I'm right. like, if I created a league out of this, they would have to come somewhere to get these athletes, and I'll be the only place. Right. So after okay. the first season. So cool. We had 12 people graduate to go on and play in the pros, including oh, me. Like, okay. I didn't play, yeah, but I yeah. got to go work with cool.
1: them. Cool. That's awesome.
0: So that was my injection nice. into it.
1: Who's your favorite CrossFit athlete? maybe like to watch male and female.
0: Um, I mean, I gotta be like, I hate to be the front row. I love rich froning. Okay.
1: I I think we have a
0: lot in common. Like I think he was a baseball player. Mm -hmm. He has that. He had, he is such a baseball player, by the way. I don't care (laughs) when he stopped playing. Like he reminds me of everybody I played baseball with.
1: That's so funny.
0: So, um, plus he has the, like, he's definitely the best, if not one of the best. Right. I think Matt Frazier would beat him right now, but like ultimately what he had that the other ones didn't was he was a competitor. Right. And When you watch, I mean, even guys like Jason Kalipa, like he was a little messy, but you watch guys like Dan Bailey, who was an athlete before, mm-hmm. but Rich had this extra gear. Okay. And that was always what I enjoyed watching. About cool. I came up when him and Camille were the best. Oh, that's awesome. And so having like kind of that duo was like a very good intro to CrossFit. For sure.
1: That's awesome. That's so cool. It's, I was
0: entrenched in it. Yeah. Very I, cool. I drank the Kool-Aid yeah. for at least a year. So what
1: do you think now about like, you know, all the like scandals that have come through it? Here's every a, sport has it here's
0: a, i mean yeah and that's the thing it's like and you can even drop sport every company has it but right? sure. like at some point sure. it's a brand right so there's going to be mishaps and i, I you know i'm a big john mayer fan okay right Love john and mayer. it wasn't cool to like john mayer when i was growing up it just wasn't right he sang songs like your body's a wonderland <laughs> and being like you know a 17 year old guy it wasn't like right. but i liked him and then he started becoming like a little bit of a womanizer in the news and he's always with the hottest girls and they're like oh i don't like john and i'm like listen I don't judge my musician likes and dislikes based off of who they are as people. Right. Unless they do something egregious, right? Yeah, like like you if didn't you're kill just kidding, someone. if you're gonna cheat on something like yeah, you suck, but right. like your songs are still dope. Sure. Justin Bieber's done a bunch of mess up shit. His beats right. still bang. Sorry. Like <laughs> that like they're, it's, it's very seldom that I put on a Justin Bieber song and I'm like, this sucks. Yeah, like,
1: right? like his new song, like, Holy, it's real good. Yeah, it's I mean, you put on
0: Christmas songs. Yeah. You're like, you know what? i, I like it. to yeah. right? like you just, <laughs> Some people just have it.
1: Let me ask you this question. One of my friends was saying to me recently, especially with what's happened in 2020 and us going virtual, um, there's more people who want to be entrepreneurs, but we don't live in a society where everyone can be their own boss. Like, it. The world won't work Like we right. need to have This environment Where people work For other people And like not everyone can And not everyone should So what what is your take on that Like what, what do you think about Like maybe some of the top Like two three characteristics Of an entrepreneur what And you've already touched on this And sure. saying like How people find entrepreneurship But what do you think About that statement of like Not everyone can be an entrepreneur But a lot of people try And maybe they shouldn't
0: Yeah so I, Well I'll answer it in two parts So I'll, I'll leave the Things that I find in good mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, or as at least one. what I've identified yeah. as one. I'll start with the idea that I think that people look at a lot of things, and I have been delving into this a lot with fitness. So we've talked about this with Studio, where it's like people want to look at a path in life as if it's linear. And it's, it's just so not, and not even like it's close. It's just not <laughs> it's even not. close to linear. It's yeah. very like back and forth. I mean, if you look at like the entropy of how you go in and even out of your fitness in your life, why would we think that that wouldn't also appear in love and jobs and everything else, right? Like, of course, there's times when I feel like I don't want to work out, and then I stop for three months, just like the person who only worked out for three months ever and stopped, right? right? Like, we're not different in that moment. So I do think that you got to test it. Like my brother told me when I was young, he's like, you don't date to find out what you like. You date to find out what you don't like. And it's a very interesting way of looking at it a little bit pessimistic, but, (laughs) but it's an interesting way of looking at it because statistically speaking, you're not going to be with but 10% of the people that you're ever with in your entire life. More than likely, you're not going to be with the person you're with. Ooh, doesn't that feel so uncomfortable? Right. But why can't we look at the same thing in the workspace? If you think that you have what it takes to be an entrepreneur, go for it. Here's the people I can't stand. This is going to, you want some dirt? I've never said it on a podcast before. I do want some dirt. I really do feel about this. I think the most dangerous people in the world are people who assess that they can offer more or do more than what they're they're putting out. Like, I'm smarter than I am or I'm fitter than I am. I think if you're super fit and you know it, that's awesome. I don't think you're arrogant. I think that you're understanding, right? Like, there's no – it's when you're not that good and you think you're the shit that I think you're dangerous because then you start playing in realms of, like, psychologically burdening other people with your shit, Mm -hmm. and I think that stops them. So you take the entrepreneur who shouldn't be an entrepreneur – but you want to try it, go for it. Just don't turn to me after your first three months because you only got 800 followers and think that, oh, this isn't going to be a business. And it's like, now you've just lost my respect. Because if that's what you're looking at as your metric, if your metric is I needed to be popular to have a business, that's not that's not what business is. We no. say entrepreneur nowadays, you know what it replaced? Businessman. Yeah. That's, that's good, right? Because businesswoman doesn't have the same, uh, entre- yeah. like mm-hmm. entrepreneur sounds better for everyone. So right. cool, we all yeah. win. <laughs> but that's what it was. It's someone like an entrepreneur is not someone with an idea. It, it, no, you it's have to not. be more than that because
1: you need to execute I feel like Gary Vee has probably said a lot of stuff about that I mean he I burns that quote yeah. better
0: than anybody I know yeah and he's like, right
1: because you can't just be this idea man well
0: I always joke with people I'm like everyone thinks that when they start their own company that the first thing you do is you'll hire for the things that you can't do well <laughs> no. newsflash you hire for the things you can do well because it's the only thing you know well enough to be able to hire people right on. so you have these little things that trip people up early on sure there are things that I've heard over my so I'm a uh, Type 5 Enneagram. I okay. don't know if you're into the I'm Enneagram. A one. So I'm, I'm a, f- a one. 5 wing 4. Yeah. Okay. which What's a 4? What so, are your characteristics? So, the interesting part is if you look at it, it's a circle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But technically, 5 and 4 don't really touch. There's only a very small portion of overlap. So, it's one of the most rare combinations. Yeah, I and don't it's even know what the 4s are. It's because it combines the thing that, like, about how you feel with about oh. what's actually going on mentally. Okay. So, that's why I feel like I can deliver empathy at such a high level because Mm -hmm. I feel the emotions I do. They're there in me. I can, you know, muster them up. I can feel them for you even if I didn't experience it. Yeah. And at the same time I have this unbelievably, and I don't want to call it logical. I want to call it like critical thinking part where I'm just like, Ooh, this feels like there's an obvious path out or a path in. So, um, with that said, I feel like it's, that's actually one of the biggest parts of being an entrepreneur is empathy. If I see empathy in you, and it doesn't mean, I I think that, you know, I say empathy, I say um, self-awareness, and I say resiliency. And those traits get so overused that I feel like people have this misnomer about what that means to be mm-hmm. self. Self-awareness is not saying that you're self-aware. In fact, it's a lot like coolness. <laughs> yeah. You know who doesn't say they're cool? Cool people. <laughs> because they don't have to say it, right? Like, if you come up to me like, oh yeah, I'm very self-aware. Yeah. I'm an extremely self-aware person. I'm like, Hmm. Because a self-aware person would know how uncomfortable it is to talk about to your own self-awareness right. to somebody else. Right, exactly. So it's like, well, so I think that self-awareness as all things spans a spectrum, and I think there's stages to it just like grief. Yeah. So if you're going to tell me that self-awareness is just the cognizant recognition of who you are, that's, no. that's just a portion. That's the beginning. Sure. Right? That's like an alcoholic identifying that they have a problem. That, mm-hmm. Like that. You're right. That mm-hmm. needs to come first, mm-hmm. and you're on your way. But to say that you're self-aware, first of all, anyone that says, like, they're done, I already, like, yeah. if you're done – you can't be an, oh, that's the other thing. You want to talk about the biggest trait that people don't, that miss over when they talk about the conversations like that? Curiosity. If you're not a curious individual, I think that you're gonna have a lot of tough time in business specifically because it's not just about the product or service that you're offering where you need to be creative. Sure. It's not just about the marketing advertising that like you need to be creative. You can be creative in the way that you sell. You can be creative in the pricing structure. You can Mm -hmm. be creative in the organic growth model. You can be creative in the networking that you use to satisfy, like, there's so many different and that all comes from curiosity. Yeah. Right? Like, totally. Create, totally. the most agree. creative people I've ever met are the most curious people I've people ever met. People ask me why I ask a lot of questions.
1: Of and like it actually has it's been a challenge on my podcast, even though I am supposed to be asking the questions. But like even a friend of mine said to me last night, he's like, You have to become a better listener.
0: Here's a metaphor that I like. So I say that let's say that you're trying to create like this beautiful picture, mm-hmm. right? And you need to cut it out if you cut right on the line that the picture's supposed to be, if you mess up at all, you ruin the picture. Yeah. But if you cut a nice circle around the whole thing and then start honing it or start Mm -hmm. like taking clay, you don't take the exact amount of clay you need. You take way more and you start carving it away. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what curiosity does. Curiosity takes a guy like me over the past six months of exploring what studio could be. Sure. And watch the people on the other side that are listening to this cringe at the thought of me spending six months actually just exploring oh, what studio yeah. could be. They would tell you you're say,
1: wasting your time. What are
0: you doing? You could have had more users. You mm-hmm. could have monetized them already. And oh my God, every inexperienced person has called me and told me why haven't I monetized it yet. And I'm just like, because I'm not trying to do what you think I should do sure. or even what I, I don't know yet. I'm, right. I'm I'm still exploring what I can do and what I think I'm capable yeah. of. And then I come back, right? So everyone loves to tell me that I'm all over the place. So I think That's you me get too. this a lot, which oh, is I feel all it. All the time. And I think that, One thing that you'll notice over time is that you'll start to talk less because your notion of where you want people to go will become more obvious as you do more interviews. So the more people I talk to, I now don't have to talk as much because I lead them with the perfect questions. So I know that they're going to stay in path. Mm -hmm. Um, But now I I sit back here and I'm like, yeah, I spent six months researching and that research wasn't surveys. It wasn't like I was talking to them. I would go visit trainers. Mm -hmm. I would sit with them and then I would go talk to consumers and, everybody's a consumer at this point. I've never had that before. That's so exciting. I used to only be able to talk to like, well, special educators that are, you know, and it's like, oh, only people that need websites or Sierra, And now it's everybody. So what an exciting venture for me to like, go sit and go sit outside somewhere and have a coffee in the Mm -hmm. afternoon. And there's a girl sitting there reading a book and she's got workout clothes on. And I'm just like, Hey, did you just work out? Yeah. And I I have no desire. I'm not hitting on her. (laughs) And she may think I am. I don't care. My goal is to figure out what got her working out today. What started her. And now you get to start culminating this knowledge. And I sit back and I'm like, you're right. I would have had an extra 5,000 users if I had just done this. And if I would have just gotten this feature out and I could have charged for it. And then I would have a group of people who are happy enough. Mm -hmm. That doesn't excite me. Yeah, that doesn't get me going. Right. I need people that love it. I'm trying right. to create. No, a it's cult so true. And I also think that there's this concept too. and when you talk about what like when I say resiliency, what I mean by resiliency in someone is not just the idea that you can get knocked down and get back up. We all know that definition. There's a resiliency in dealing with everybody telling you how stupid you are yeah. every <laughs> single day. I am 33 years old. I just turned 33. Happy belated birthday. I appreciate it. And never in my life have I been told by so many people that I'm on the wrong path. And I understand that there is a a point in time where you have to decide what's right for you, right? Like, Mm -hmm. And that's where that self-awareness comes in. But you have to constantly deal. And then I always get reminded of that Jeff Bezos quote that's like, everybody will think you're crazy when you're about to innovate because it's crazy to try to change people in the way that they are. And in no way am I comparing myself to Jeff Bezos. No, 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 no. It's just to take learnings from people who have done it in a way that wasn't because they read a book about doing it. It's what they naturally discovered. All the entrepreneurs now are a little tainted because they have the Gary Vee in the back of their head. They have the, whoever they look up to in the business culture, there's so many infopreneurs out there that just sell you what you think you should know. Yeah, And that's their whole game. Their game is to find out what you think you should know and take it from there. Yeah. So I think that when I'm like looking at studio to kind mm-hmm. of talk into it, it's like, it started as the solve to a problem, which mm-hmm. is why there's over 5,000 users sure. without any marketing because it's just like these people had a problem and then I solved it. So yeah, you're gonna get users. And now where I get to go is like, okay, well, what do I wanna do? Right now like I'm in, How
1: do you even wanna market it? Because maybe
0: I just want to do exactly what they want. And I want to get back to what I was working on before that. Right. Like, mm-hmm. these are all options and opportunities. And I definitely like go into the nth to like the deep ends of things to try to figure out if there's some options. But I think what I come back with is, is a very holistic view of the community. Sure. And now I'm like, ooh, I see the opportunity. And so I'll just give it away because yeah. it doesn't really matter. Because
1: even like what you like where you're going with this, like when we talked on the phone last week and or two weeks ago and you told me about your idea, I was like I was not thinking you were going to tell me that,
0: and and, the, and how many weeks passed since we had talked? Like two, two. or three, and yeah. like and that's how much and meteoric these changes will thing. And the difference is, I got off the conversation with you and felt energized because you saw it, mm-hmm. because you gave it the opportunity. I had earned the trust in you that you're like sure. I'm going to listen to you for ten minutes. Yeah, right. Like I earned that. You gave me that ten minutes, and you were like, "Oh, I see this." When the three people that I told before you in a much different way were like why don't you just do that, right like just get back to what you were doing and I'm like no this is the fun part this is the part that I get to see who's excited and who I want to be excited about this because that's the other thing we talked about friction to loop this whole thing back together right like sometimes creating friction even between customers is not a bad thing Mm -hmm. right having some process gets them more bought in and so like there's this concept of when you talk about being creative what do you charge for well you could charge for features you could charge for users, you could charge mm-hmm. for the amount of money you There's so many different ways to charge people. And I'm like, what if you didn't charge them for more features and you made them unlock them? So, as you do better, I start promoting you within the system and giving you more opportunities That's to make cool. money. So prove to me that you can make money. Right. Because guess what? I know people making money with just Instagram posts. Yeah. So you can't right. tell me that you need this. Uh, no, nope. right. there's people right now doing fitness posts yeah. that are less than 60 seconds, show five different movements, yeah. and they have hundreds of thousands of views. Exactly. Right? So you can do that yeah. right now. For Literally man. just what level of abstraction you're yeah. looking to go to. Because sure. Because if you go too high, you become mm-hmm. obsolete. Sure. Right? You become one of thousands and tens of thousands yeah. where there's no network. Right. And if you go too shallow, there's no real business to be mm-hmm. created. So you have to find that. And I think that that's what you're doing now. You're like, right. I'm just going to see who's reacting to this stuff and yeah. stay. And that's really what it's like. Like they say sales is kind of like uh shifting in formula one. Mm-hmm. You have to know exactly where you're going, but people switch at any time. Yeah. And, and I so think you're we, actually very right. good at that, Thank which you. is why I think you're so yeah. good with the sales component of right. it because it's like, you get people excited, and mm-hmm. then they want to do something, of and then you tell them what to do, and that's the harder part in business. Yep. If you can do the first part, it's no different than me trying to break down why people do things. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with human behavior because I'm a marketer, and so while you focus on what Facebook ad converts the best, I'm going to focus on why people go on Facebook.
1: Right, exactly. that's it's way that, more that interesting. way higher At level. what level? Yeah. Because mm-hmm.
0: it's very good to know the tactics. Don't get right. me wrong. It's good to understand how to utilize the different sure. pieces of software But at some level, if I can understand what makes you do something, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what that thing is. Yeah. So if I spend the next 15, 20 years just figuring out how you do something, I can monetize it Forever right it just never Ends I can sell Chris and I Think anything
1: that's like Literally like how you do Something that's studio Because the thing that you Pitched to me as like you Asked me you didn't even Ask me like what are your Pain points I don't remember The exact questions that Were asked but it was just Like
0: because it's normally Very conversational. yeah Exactly not like yeah Put you on the spot right
1: (laughs) Right and it's it like Made me realize that I use Too many pieces of too like Too many tools and software Like I have keep I have Hootsuite I have later I Have Instagram I have Facebook I I have my podcast I have a coach for that I have a business coach I have a life coach it's like I have Canva and I just said to you I was like I just need all this in one place because like I'm ahead of the game in that I did go to school for graphic design I know how to use Adobe Creative Suite like and I'm not great at it I'm not like a graphic designer but I'm saying 12 things I knew when I started all right and I'm good enough at it but then there's people who are like like let's talk about this what what you said to me when we first got started in, in discussing studio is so many trainers left gyms, and they had the hype and the glory in that box gym or in that studio, and that gym closed, and they tried to go online. And they're like, "Oh, this is going to be so easy! Like, I had this huge following, and like it's great, and I'm just going to post a bunch of posts on Instagram and get and get 20 clients." A month in, how many clients do they have? Zero. Right. Yeah. Why? Because they don't know how to run a business. They just know how to be a trainer.
0: Because there's and and. Yeah, well, that hits on, like, one of the principles yeah. of Studio. That was mm-hmm. a really good L oop there. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I think that that's what the problem I'm trying to solve is. And I think that right now, if you want to call them my competitors, we can call them that. Sure. The other apps out there, the thousands of apps that are out there that are coming out every single day, because mm-hmm. I know, because people message them to me every single day. <laughs> um are, to, in my opinion, all solving a very similar problem, which is sure. the distribution of digital fitness media. Right. So getting back to what, because you said something earlier that stuck in yeah. my head when you were talking about the girl who was like, oh, I'm just going to go online because they already have right. like a following. Yep. And so I was dating a girl earlier this year who was doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, this person's got like 110,000 followers. She probably crushes it. And I was like, do one of her classes. Like, yeah. So it was five bucks? Do right. it. Like, I'll give you five bucks. Yeah. You want to go do like mm-hmm. what. And that's, this is the other part of the entrepreneurialism where it's like you look for those things. like That wouldn't have even been a question in my head. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I'm just going to do it. Right. Like, I'm not even going to think about it. I'm not going to yeah. sit behind a, a, and be like, oh, I wonder what that's like. It cost me $20 to try it. I'm going to try it. Yeah. So she does it, and nine people come in. Hundreds of thousands of followers, and nine people showed yeah. up. And people she me, oh, was averaging 12. Right. And I'm like, okay, so look at the difference here. She gets all the claim and everybody walks around saying, look at her, look at her, look at her. But you probably made more money off of sure. your people. Than you. I'm not saying for branded posts and sponsors right. and all that. Right. Sure, She's she, making, has, she, has she has other more revenue streams. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to specifically training people for money, you're winning. And this is the problem I'm trying to solve with Studio. There's two significant problems with pr- trainers. So I, for now, just to kind of keep the audience intact in here, mm-hmm. consumers and producers are the people I refer to in my app. The Kay. consumers are the people doing the fitness. Yep. The producers are the people creating yeah. it. So the trainers, coaches, gyms, whatever that falls into the producer category. And the problem that I'm trying to solve with them is twofold. So one is you guys have content more than 35-minute follow-along mm-hmm, classes, mm-hmm. right? Like I talk to you for 10 minutes and I'm like, she doesn't just have that. Like she have more value than that. Right. So like if I made you get on my app and all you could do was upload 25-minute classes that you charged for, that would satisfy you for a little bit until the next app came out with that plus was one other Mm -hmm. thing and you're like well I'm gonna leave that because it has this one other thing so I'm like why can't everything you do be discoverable within the place that you go like why can't I go to the fix on studio Mm -hmm. and see the fact that you have a podcast and see the fact that you have classes and see the fact that you offer nutrition coaching Mm -hmm. and see the fact that you also do some side business seeing that you train trainers like why isn't that all together right. somewhere? Exactly. And you could so put right it now, on your Instagram on and, a, Instagram, but and a link you in a Lincoln bio. To dig. And you have to find yeah. it. And like and the other truth is that while we are maybe in a demographic that goes to Instagram for inspiration to mm-hmm. work out, four years older than us doesn't. No. And ten years younger than us doesn't. Right. So it's like
1: Yeah, like well, I'm like, I'm not gonna go on like I I I actually pulled my followers about TikTok because i i asked people i'm like do you like the reels and the tiktok videos of me showing you different exercises you want to know how many of my followers said no how many almost all of them yeah because they they're used to instagram they want to be able to swipe and hold down the amount of time they're watching the same video again and again and reels and tiktoks move too fast for them
0: oh i can't wait to show you what yeah. i have inside but on meanwhile
1: the board. like somebody who is you know 16 years old she doesn't care and she's on tiktok
0: but also, like, if, once you identified your demographic, serve them what they want. Right, My right, point right. is to say that, and you just kind of walked into it, mm-hmm. which is, if my goal with Studio is to make you more money, yep. which is ultimately the goal, of course. fitness professionals can't make enough money, period. Mm-hmm. They're educated, they understand, but the truth is, if you're entertaining, you make money, and if you're not entertaining, you don't make money. Yep. If you have abs, you make more money. If you have good, a good butt, you make more money. I mean... We can't just ignore all of that
1: no, to say can't.
0: that it's tough for fitness professionals to make money because that will be the thing that they say back to me. What are you talking about? These trainers on Instagram make it. No, no, no. Those are trainers on Instagram. Right. People who work out and recognize exactly. that because they have abs, people will pay them for their workouts mm-hmm. thinking that they're going to find that result. Yeah. Which also leads to the bigger thing that the platform is trying to solve, which is this unbelievably tight bond between aesthetic and fitness yeah. as if that is the ultimate. There's the it only is. point you do it. Right. Yeah. Like. And even the most prominent people talk about this. Yeah. Right. Like they come out and they say, listen, you may not want to work this hard, but if you look down and you don't like what you see and it's like, oh, see, I'm with you, man. But why do you have to go there? Yeah. Like, why do you 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 don't like how you feel? If body confidence is the point of all of this, then we should Mm -hmm. stop saying that there's a specific body. That's the goal. Right. Because that's the whole. Yeah. It
1: has nothing to do with them having abs or whatever it is. But like at the end of the day, that still does sell. It's all part of it. Have to.
0: I'm not saying that the aesthetic should be looked over. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying that we should recognize the fact that it probably makes up 25 sure. percent of one of the three mm-hmm. major goals of fitness yeah right like course. it's a subset of a subset of especially goals. when
1: you look at your type of client because like for me I have more and more clients now and I take this as a credit to myself of doing a good job that when I ask them what their goals are they've stopped telling me they want to lose 10 pounds or whatever they're like I just want to feel better I'm a mom and I have no energy
0: yeah that's that's like okay I'm and that's doing- also a level of self-awareness right. and again maybe this is just my opinion on this so I'd love to hear your feedback on it but I also don't think that they look at your hair and nails and makeup and think She's so hot, that's why I want to be like her. Not at all. I think they say, wow, she's got it together. Yep. And that, to me, is the underlying thing that we look at when we see these models because mm-hmm. the truth is we don't all want abs. No. I've had abs. I don't even want them. I, know I don't what have they them. Feel I'm so like, far away. And I know what it takes <laughs> to maintain them. Yeah. And I'm telling you, hey, guys, this is for all the guys <laughs> listening out there. I got something big news for you. They don't care. I don't. know you think they do, but they don't. You may get a look that you wouldn't have gotten – And how many times a year do you have your shirt off being looked at by people you don't know? And the point is, if you're out there in the fitness community trying to make a money, do it however you want. Right? right? Like I'm not saying don't post pictures of your abs and butt. And you you should. My point is to say, contextualize it. When you get that person in your grasp, do not make it all about the look. It cannot be the result because it leads to what we have now, which is what I joked about the other day with the shower thing. I'm like, explain this to me. We're recommended to get 22 minutes of fitness in a day. 22 minutes of an elevated heart rate. That's it. 22 minutes of physical activity per day. And people are like, Ugh, I can't make time for it. I can't get to the gym. I can't do all of these things. I can't, can't, can't. And I'm like, okay, if I told you not to shower for the next six months, what would you say? That's like, That's gross. disgusting, yeah. right? I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, imagine your insides are being cleaned by the fitness. Yeah. Because you go six months without it and your insides look like shit. You don't get to see it. You, sometimes you see it. Sometimes right. you're like, ooh, I don't like the way this looks or mm-hmm. I don't like the way this feels as I like, grope my body right now. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm, like, so I'm like on a podcast. And only she can see this. Um, I'm like, ooh, I don't like the way this feels. But at the end of the day, psychologically, physiologically, mm-hmm. your sleep, your nutrition, all of these things start to get into a better yep. rhythm. If you just give fitness the same like amount you minutes. give, the shower and the yeah. toothbrushing mm-hmm. you do every day just because it would be gross if you didn't. Yeah. It would be gross if you didn't work out for six months too. Ooh, yeah. that hurts. Doesn't it make you feel yeah. a little uncomfortable? It's because <laughs> we get into fitness thinking that there's some goal. And that's the problem. I'm not saying that it's not going to work. Of course it is. Marketers find the best, the best solutions in the world – right, the ones that make the most money Mm -hmm. are not the best solutions. No. They're the ones that are the easiest to market. If I can show you the story very quickly, so what's the story? You look like this, which you don't like. You want to look like this, which I do like. Buy my software, right? Like buy my product. Of course, yeah, that makes perfect sense why it would work. It's also lazy. Mm -hmm. So let's try something different. Let's try not ruining America by telling everybody that it's all about the aesthetic. Whatever the aesthetic is, whether it's big or small, it doesn't actually matter, which is why I think it's so funny that – so I have a I have a theory that by 2025 we're going to see the opposite of fat shaming. We're we'll see slim shaming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. you're already so skinny. Right. And we direction. and you see it now, yeah. right? You see mm-hmm. the culture because everybody that's skinny now has an eating disorder. Yeah. You ever notice that?
1: Yeah. Everyone's, we used to everyone yeah.
0: that's skinny has an eating disorder. No, there's actually just some people who are <laughs> so naturally skinny. Yeah, just like, like and that's small just how they look, it. right? Yeah. So I feel like once we can start untying some of these, which are rooted, in my opinion, very young. Mm-hmm. Right? We look at P E mm-hmm. classes, probably yeah. our introduction to physical activity, right. which is you're either already good because you're an athlete and that's who the gym coach likes the most, or you're penalized with fitness. Oh, you did something wrong. Go run a mile. Right, exactly. You did something wrong. Go so do burpees. And you're like, ugh.
1: To that point, tell us about what you see for Studio on like a grander scale of being this like ecosystem in place, like an iTunes store, or like our more adult comparison to the only OnlyFans. Fans.
0: <laughs> and I kind of look at Studio like. It's only fans meets Instagram. Imagine
1: your Instagram if you only saw fitness all the time. But then you could watch a workout and if you were intrigued by it, literally jump in and start doing it with
0: them. Right. So, And that, I mean, you just explained it even better than yeah. I can. I mean, I think that ultimately what I'm trying to find is let's get people into to fitness without a goal that's six weeks away.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's how most people start. So this is the whole use every part of the pig concept yeah. that I love. So I love this idea that because we want to operate super efficiently, which mm-hmm. you have to do when you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So I think as a trainer, what I'm trying to do is say, listen, I'm not necessarily the platform that everyone's going to jump to that already has a brand and an established right. brick and mortar that is looking to deliver it. They, they'll they use it, don't right. get me wrong. Yeah, and that's my I will totally clientele. use it for my, right. my future gem. But I think that the future of the platform really lies in the idea that you don't have a book of business when you're a trainer mm-hmm. that allows you to... Laterally move through the industry and gain knowledge. So right. to give to give the breakdown of like how it is like a developer, mm-hmm. if I want to become a developer, I learn a bunch of shit online. Very similar to how a lot of trainers start, by the way. Yeah. Right? Learn a bunch of stuff online. And then I go somewhere and I say, I think I could do this job for you. And they say, you don't have enough applied experience. And I say, okay, how would I get applied experience? And they say, go build a website. I'm making this up. Right, it's right, it's right. for the yeah. illustrative. So so I go build a website and then I show it to them. And they go, wow, that's actually a pretty nice website. Okay, you can come work here, <laughs> right? And I go work there and I work there for three years. And then I'm ready to be like, you know what? I, 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 I The product's okay. The, the people are okay. I'm ready for something new. I just wanna know what it's like to be a backend engineer. Right now, right now I work all in the front and I wanna know what the backend's like. So the next job that I apply for, I already have a salary that's comparable to wherever I'm gonna make. So making that lateral move is like, hey, this is what I'm working on now. Here's the website you can go to to see all my work and I'm interested in working for your company. Now there's like a one-to-one comparison of like, oh wow, this is what they get, this is how much they paid and I know that they're gonna love it. You're a trainer. And you go build up a book of, and I know I'm kind of tweaking right on your yeah. pain points here, but it's like you go to a gym and you build their book of business because the only way to make money in fitness right now, truthfully as an entrepreneur, is as an entrepreneur. You have yep. to do it all right. or else you're getting paid 25 to $60 an hour to do a class, right? right. And the problem right. is that, that when yep. that class is over, the fitness is just as good, but no one can ever experience it again. Right. And I think that that's what Peloton is proving to people. It's mm-hmm. like, no, ha- they're not new, this isn't new. Recorded workouts aren't new. My right. mom used to do Galad in the eighties. Yeah, look like, at
1: or like P ninety X or shit like P90X that. P
0: ninety X is one of my favorite case studies because they launched and had a multi million dollar brand on. Wait for it. I'm going to say this nice and close. Twelve videos. That's insane. Twelve videos and multi million dollar brand. So when a trainer comes to me and says, "I don't see the point of doing this. I'm only going to make," and I'm like, "You don't. If you don't see the point." We have a long way to go. And now I know that I have to educate trainers and saying, like, let me show you how to build staying power. Right. So going back to that every part of the the pig, it's like, I need to find out the ways that you could just cook bacon. But mm-hmm. I also need to find out the ways that you can cook the meat of it and then use every other piece as the feeders, yes. as the little dollars yeah. here and there. Mm-hmm. Because there is a big gap between the person that's willing to follow you on Instagram Correct. and willing to pay you $99 plus dollars right. a month for nutrition or exactly.
1: counseling. Exactly, huge. And like, I not have...
0: being able to identify those people right. because – I follow you. I may never pay you for fitness, but I follow your Instagram because I'm interested in you. Sure. You don't know by looking at your Instagram how many of those you can monetize. I don't. I have no idea. You don't know.
1: Yeah. There was a separate place for them to
0: follow you and say, hey, listen, I'm actually probably monetizable, Mm -hmm. but not at the price point you're at. Exactly. Now you get the opportunity to say, wow, I actually have. So let's say on. So there is this concept of being a member or a Mm -hmm. follower on Studio. Okay. And the idea is that when the person comes in, they say, I'm ready to do what you do or see what you do, but But I'm not ready to pay you for it it yet. So it's like I'm auditing your stuff. And you may have stuff on there that's for free, Mm -hmm. right? And here's the beauty of it. Because that's what Instagram
1: is. Like Instagram is essentially like, for me, I treat Instagram like this free book. Like here's my free platform. It's your ebook.
0: And so now I look at it like, plus there's no way to direct market on Instagram.
1: Right, right. So cool, you have
0: 35,000 people. Show me their email addresses.
1: Yeah, I don't have them. Show me how you segment them. And I
0: think that that emails are kind of like the perfect way to build the list and actually Mm -hmm. show another person value. Yes. Like if you come to me and you say I have 50,000 Instagram followers, that can mean anything from you paid for them to you being like the best person ever. Exactly. Because I know people that have hundreds of thousands of dollars in businesses that are uh, have 30 to 40,000. I know a guy who put a bunch of these videos up just like we're doing now. Yeah. And sells them to gyms and he adds new ones every month Mm -hmm. and he's making over $200,000 a month. Easy. And it's just him. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So it's like when you look at something like that and you know, and and I think that once you start be, once you start playing in the realm of wanting to own your own business, you meet and see behind the curtains of these yeah. things and you go, oh my God, I'm ready to do it. And people like us, the first thing we want to do is like, no, no, you should do it too. Like, come with me. Like, yeah. this is actually kind of cool. Like, you right. guys should, we could all benefit from this. And everyone else is like, uh, I don't right. want to do my own thing. I'm, yeah. I'm good. You go do it. Like, let me see you do it first. And that was another principle that I brought into the platform, which is how do I appease the person? And so the huge underlying foundation of Studio as a platform for both producers and consumers is meet people where they're at. Yep. That's what I'm driving towards, which mm-hmm. is whether it's Doesn't on your Doesn't or back journey. to empathy. Yeah, right? It's like how how can I get upset with you for telling me what you think is right about business? You you just don't know. So let me I'll explain your mind mm-hmm. and if at the end of it you think it's valuable, then come on the platform. Sure. And if you're already doing it and delivering it, that's the other thing. I don't believe that this is a zero sum game. I am not of the mindset that there is a definitive amount of fitness and that one person winning means other people losing. I think that this is a market wherein I can get a decent decent market share that creates a cult-like following yep. that's like people that really get it. Mm-hmm. And and I'm going to have to, right? Yeah. Because if I'm like this is not this is not this a is not for 6 everyone. month thing. Yeah. This is a 1 year, right. 2 year, 5 yeah. year, 10 year thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like how do you start to bring people along on this journey with you? Well, you differentiate on something specific right you yep. try to give them like hey this is the angle and that's kind of what i'm doing differently i'm taking a different yeah. angle the features are going to look the same for the first 6 <laughs> right, months right, right. but like yeah. but if you know where the platform's going and that's what i challenge all of my competitors to say like what are you building that they don't know they want yet mm-hmm. that's my favorite question to ask early people on right and they don't answer it to me because they want me to sign an nda or something yeah. like that like i'm going to steal their idea Ugh, stop with that nda bullshit I, I don't care i don't i'd rather not hear your product your product right. to be honest so but at some point I, you know, this was always, that's just stuck for me from us. an early software developer told me, he's like, if you play the follow game, which is like the, I see a feature that mm-hmm. you like somewhere else and I rebuild it for you here, mm-hmm. you'll always be a step behind. Right? You can't possibly get out ahead. Yeah. And so my goal is to not just be a step ahead of my customer, like of my um, competitors. I wanna be a step behind of the customer. It's impossibly in front of the customer because you give yeah. the customer every single thing that they want and they're like, cool, I want that plus times two. And you're right. like, what? Look at
1: the iPhone. Right.
0: Because people don't actually know what they want. Right. At, deep down, self-awareness is a part of it. Like you have to know what you want. So you come to me and you don't know what you want. And I give you something you like. You say, cool. You don't know be even better. Because Yeah. Now you're getting excited <laughs> right. about it, too. Exactly. Right. It's like you. Being, yeah. You Every talking, time you're like, we talk. Oh, what if we did this? Because yeah. like, you see the way that. Uh-huh. Well, that's about laying a foundation where in right. that exploration can happen. Mm-hmm. So you take a trainer who says, I'm not ready to start my own business. That's who I want. Right. You want to make some money? Let me show you how that same fifteen mm-hmm. hours that you're doing right now, because you're already an IT staffing agent Correct. and you love it. Yeah, it's just not fun to talk right. about when you're having a drink on the weekend. Exactly, and that's why I think so many people find a second career in fitness because, because it's brings way them more them, like, exciting. it brings more personality. It's a lot. Lap- yeah. Man, isn't mm-hmm. it so much cooler to tell them how you had a client lose fifty pounds yes, than it so is cool. to tell how you got some guy staffed at 150k <laughs> yeah. at some front? It right. just doesn't matter. Like when you told me, like, hey, I, I really, I don't know if this is the same. I remember you. You called me like last yeah. week and you're like, I don't know if this is the same thing, but I really want to help like other trainers perform digitally mm-hmm. because it is yeah. different. Like, and, and you did both, which is right. beneficial to like have done in person yep. and then transform because you're like, I know it worked in person. I know it's not all going to work here, but mm-hmm. the same tendencies <laughs> totally. will be there. So you want to like, hey, uh, well, cool. That's also on the platform. right? Because to me, it's just a piece of content that you want to monetize. Exactly. And that's my goal. And it's I need like, a way to all, deliver it. That's it.
1: Yep, exactly. And it's a
0: one centralized location. Yeah. So I feel like when you meet people where they're at, you deliver incredible empathy, and you understand that not everybody wants to be a businessman, but that doesn't mean that the world can't get fitter while sure. a person that's doing IT staffing helps 50, t- 50 people a month mm-hmm. do it. Cool. Awesome. Do it. Do it here. Yeah.
1: That's so cool. Well, I've taken up so much of your time, Joe, <laughs> so but I knew fun. we could talk forever. So I'm going to move to our lightning round. I oh. wanted to make sure we got onto studio because we, right. we set out the podcast being like, let's talk about studio. And we didn't get there until like, an hour, yeah, but perfect. it was great. So anyway, <laughs> so I do a lightning round at the end of all of my shows. The questions are quick rapid fire, unless you want to expand on what I'm saying. Usually relates to some details that you've shared about me, about yourself with me throughout the course of our conversation. Cool. Um, all right. So favorite baseball team.
0: Um, I probably, I mean, I have to say the Yankees because i have never, I've never been a fan of teams. I've been a fan of good baseball. There you go. Okay.
1: I like that. Um, favorite sport to watch.
0: Ooh. That's tough cuz I don't really like watching sports. I know that sounds like super tough, but like I was the guy that didn't know anybody. that was like, "Oh, I that's a cool guy. I'd like how do you not know Tino Martinez?" Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, "Ah, just not interesting to me." So, I guess my favorite sport would probably be the one I watch the most of now is football. Cool. I don't love it, okay, but it's the most exciting it. to watch,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um last book you read?
0: Ooh, um finished? Yeah. Those are tough. Okay. Uh, I'm reading uh, Supernatural. That's a super interesting book. Um, God, the last one that I read that like really had an impact was the Paul Jarvis Company of One book. That book is like I would recommend that to anybody that is even considering being an entrepreneur. Okay, because it it, it. it makes the world smaller for you. It's like, hey, it's not all about becoming the CEO of a 500 person company. You can actually run a really successful life Mm -hmm. thinking about terms that are like limit the scale that you can reach. So I think it's a super cool book. What's the
1: last podcast you listened to?
0: Uh, ooh, this was, um, oh man it's brand new i wish i had my phone here so i could uh, could, uh, recommend you could tell us what it's about it was a guy so i'm I'm obsessed with how the brain works and it was a guy that talks about how we create our own reality like oh yes like the the neurochemistry that actually goes into Mm -hmm. us creating our own reality telling
1: ourselves a story
0: right and like where ego falls into that story and also like the constructs that you can control versus what you can't because i think that that's actually a huge Mm -hmm. part of business that people kind of underestimate which is Knowing which levers you can and can't pull. Yeah. I constantly,
1: when I'm upset and I need to call one of my business mentors, the only thing they say to me is you got to fucking calm down because you need to remember, control what you can control.
0: Right. And then on top of that, what needs to be optimized? What needs to be um, gotten rid of? Like, for example, if I told you right now, hey, your life goal is to not have any stress ever, (laughs) you would never succeed because it's impossible because stress is not a negative thing. Stress is a reaction that our body has. So you can't control that not knowing that could put you down a really bad path for a really long time of trying Mm -hmm. to solve a problem. That's not actually solvable. Hmm. So understanding what can just be dialed down and what's an acceptable, like I want to produce a product that has no customer support. It's impossible. No, no, it's actually impossible. It doesn't matter how big the team is. Right? Like, so knowing which levers you're just trying to like, Oh, I just want to bring down the amount of support. Here's an acceptable, here's a threshold. Having that kind of knowledge. Super, it's like super helpful in this.
1: Yeah. That's really interesting. What's your favorite workout move?
0: Oh snatch Snatch me It's, it's not oh, Let me just say this It's a terrible workout move I didn't mean to. to don't do but that like Don't recognize it. it It's my favorite thing to do Because me they're too. so complex I love it
1: And it's like There's so much power to it Right Like yeah. if you
0: get it It's the, one of those things that I feel like it's like entrepreneurship yeah. You keep going And you keep failing And then when you get it right It was effortless Yeah You're like wow mm-hmm. That actually yeah. didn't take same The with, same amount of work Like
1: for me Like cause I like I'd snatch with just like a dumbbell But when it comes to like A barbell movement For me that's a clean Because oh, like yeah. I can't get it tight enough and so like When I I do get it right and the, it feels so different it's like very very that satisfying so smooth yeah, yeah exactly so now it's probably bench yeah yeah because it's the easiest yeah I got a bench there, you the back. there you go there you go cool and it's it's efficient so we'll give you that um what is if we're listening to this podcast a year from now so on december 31st 2021 where's joe gonna be
0: um a year from today yeah i would hope that i'm I would hope that by a year from today, I'm well on my way to bringing more of the consumer onto the platform. I think that over the next year, I'm going to have a lot of focus on the trainer, trainer, producers, Um, and not to say that I won't build both Mm -hmm. like at the same time. But I think a year from today, it would be super cool to start shifting my focus because the trainers get it, yeah, right. Because if I if I you have to do
1: a lot of groundwork if I can educate people in a year. That's the
0: thing. It's like so the famous quote of most people. Overestimate what they can yeah. do in a year and underestimate what they can do in 10. Mm-hmm. So, thinking about something and saying, like, I'm going to give myself a couple months to do it, it's like, oh man, you don't even know what's going to happen the next couple right. of months.
1: Look but, at COVID.
0: But a year, <laughs> I could educate people at a year and have like some sort of education where it's like so to be self-serving. Sure. And I would love to shift my focus to the yeah. larger demographic. And I also think too, out.
1: like it's what I just said about like creating this network of trainers who get it because like as, now that I understand it, I've told 10 people about it.
0: And I and, hope that people listen to right, this exactly. and I know that trainers listen to yeah. you even if they don't want to admit it. Right. Like, yeah. cause that's what everybody does. Like, Ooh, mm-hmm. I heard everything they said, but I'm not going to tell them. Yeah. And then they start telling people about it. And I hope that that generates a call because mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I don't actually need you to be on studio. That's right. not my goal is for you to be happy and make money in something that you probably aren't making money doing now. So like yeah. if you're fine, cool. If you love your platform, right. do it and tell other people about it. But if someone's struggling and they're looking to just make some side income mm-hmm. or they're looking for a way to just pad it a little bit and I so this is where all of my marketing is going. I'll give you my marketing play for the whole 2021. Okay. The 2021 marketing play for producers is it's time to make your fun money.
1: Well, I think that's the perfect place to wrap it up yeah, so Yeah, this has been so much fun. Yeah, thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate it. And last thing is just give us your shameless plug. Where can we find you? I know you have a couple of accounts for Studio. Where can we interact with you online? Like, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah,
0: you know, I've been working on that a lot. So The, the easiest way to reach me is probably through email still, okay. um, which is just joe at Co. And... But really flex with two X's, flex with but two we'll X's. put it in
1: the show notes. But I think too. that
0: there's going to be a better one coming out soon. Okay. Um, I'm going to do a lot more on Instagram now. Awesome. Um, so at Joe Tibaldi, I'm sure it'll be yeah. tagged in here. Yep. Like that's probably the way now. Like that's what you'd want to follow okay. to see what's coming.
1: Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show. And guys, if you enjoyed this episode, any ounce of it resonated with you, whether you're a fit pro, entrepreneur, just somebody who maybe wants to find their fun money, please share this with people. More than leaving a review on a podcast, it's important to share it. If we can get as many ears to this episode as possible that is going to be the difference maker in this message getting out there so tell everyone you know put it on your social media channels if you have five followers or a couple hundred thousand it literally doesn't matter which we hope is a takeaway from this episode and if you want more of all things the fix you can check us out on spotify and apple and of course via instagram is the best way to reach me i will always be happy to slide into the dms and accept somebody sliding into (laughs) mine so hit us up and i will definitely get back to you as soon as i can